Smoking in Beautiful, Part 1. Honestly, y'all, I don't know how I don't have black lung. For that matter, I don't know how whole swaths of men and women who grew up when and where I did don't also have black lung. Yes, I know that black lung is a coal mining thing, and this is not a coal mining podcast specifically. I get it. Although both my father and my father-in-law were coal miners, so it, it does come up. Look, I can either try to explain irony or I can tell a story. When faced with this kind of dilemma, I find it's best to go with one's strengths. Here we go. Oh, uh, one more thing. As this episode of You've Been Hanked deals with the prevalence of a now socially unacceptable practice, never mind that when I was a boy, the local and national newscasts featured anchors who smoked while they told us the day's news, and smoking was occasionally portrayed in children's cartoons. Nevertheless, listener discretion is advised. When I was a little feller back in beautiful East Texas, smoking was a thing. Everyone smoked. Everyone. Everyone. Nah. They either smoked cigarettes, cigars, a pipe, dope, or some combination thereof. If they didn't smoke, they chewed tobacco or dip snuff or both. Some of you will say, I didn't smoke to that. I will gently remind you that most of us like to eat at restaurants, at least occasionally. In the time period I'm discussing here, there were no non-smoking sections. If you ever spent time in the company of smokers, and I'm entirely unconvinced that any of us did not back then, I mean, unless we lived in a hole in the ground hiding from reality, then you were a smoker via secondhand smoke. It was pervasive. Lots of folks drank alcohol, though not everyone. There was no second-hand alcohol, or if there was, I don't care to think about it. There were those who held personal convictions that motivated abstinence from alcohol consumption. That said, some of those otherwise abstinent souls believed in moderation in all things, including moderation, and were not above a cup of fully loaded eggnog or two or three or four or twelve at Christmas time, it wouldn't do to be rude on New Year's Eve, and most folks agreed that this kind of otherwise semi-universal prohibition didn't count on one's birthday, or anyone's birthday for that matter, and while some folks didn't necessarily drink or wish to be seen consuming strong spirits, everyone smoked, whether it was intentional or not. Men and women alike enjoyed the smell of alcohol, leather, smoke, and tobacco in men's cologne. These scents reminded them of their fathers, brothers, and husbands, and for that matter, of their mothers, sisters, sweet old grannies, and wives. Like I said, everyone smoked. Even the kids smoked. Once one arrived at a certain age, it was sort of expected. Oh, the boys and girls might sneak around, smoking behind the gym, under the bleachers, in the bathrooms, and other out-of-the-way spots, but no one was terribly concerned about it. That said, I know for a fact there were instances wherein certain teachers both loaned and bummed cigarettes to and off of students. I saw 
adults and children smoking together when no one was supposed to be aware of it. And up until about the mid-80s, no one was too worried whether or not the kids were smoking. Oh, sure, they were sticklers, but the kids knew who they were and learned to avoid them. In time, the world grew softer, weaker, and more pitiful in the late 80s, and heaven help us, don't even get me started about the wan-wan 90s. But I'm not talking about those cry-me-to-sleep-and-pat-my-bottom sissy days. No, sir. These were the early 70s through the mid-80s when men continued to be men. Women still liked them that way, and everyone knew that communist dissenters intent on ruining our great nation through the spread of physical and mental weakness had infiltrated the government and were even working to convince some weak-minded bureaucrats to put what were, according to some obviously fake labels, on the side of every package of cigarettes. I recall my much younger self, just in kindergarten, sitting through a half-hearted presentation at the school about the dangers of smoking. I learned about heart disease, cancer, and all kinds of other deadly illnesses and frightening complications apparently brought on by smoking. The fact that the presenter was literally smoking in our classroom while giving her presentation on the dangers of smoking never occurred to me as an oddity. After all, our principal always smoked while walking up and down the halls during the school day. By way of clarification, I didn't always attend the school that some of you will be thinking of. I didn't get there until the third grade, and this was kindergarten. It was a much smaller, even more rural educational setting. Just wanted y'all to know in case you're trying to remember who the heck I might be talking about. Remember, in those days, everyone in beautiful smoke. The miniature cloud, a bluish-gray smoke that poured all day, every day, from beneath the door of the teacher's lounge, never drew a second notice from anyone except the very occasional kid who had tried to ascend prematurely to the company of his or her older peers to start smoking at a still too tender age, and both smarted and chafed at the consequences, coupled with the burden of a precocious understanding of and resentment for irony. Yes, everyone smoked, but we had standards, and there was nothing quite so effective as a state-sanctioned paddling with a three-foot wooden board to remind an errant seven- or eight-year-old that smoking was reserved for when one was older. Well, a little older, anyway. We weren't savages. That Friday afternoon, I arrived home from school troubled by the presentation I'd just sat through. When I stepped off the bus, there was Uncle Carl waiting at the mailbox to walk me home as he was so kind to do every school day. His cool menthol 120 was all but burned out. This being the case, he paused. As the school bus drove away, that good old man took a fresh cigarette from the pack that was always in his shirt pocket, removed the failing cigarette from his mouth, replaced it with the fresh one, used the fading ember of the one to light the other, inhaled a double lung full of smoke, exhaled a great cloud of it, and said, How was school today? Newly armed with the knowledge that my great-uncle Carl, a man dear to me in a way that few other of God's children were, was surely about to drop dead from his filthy habit, I launched into a lecture on 
the evil dangers of smoking that I'd learned only a couple hours ago from the woman who told us all about it while she smoked several lucky strikes. I told Uncle Carl all about cancer, heart disease, high blood pressure, and the cross-section model of ruined lungs we'd been shown at school that day. My good uncle never interrupted. He waited patiently until, eventually, I'd both run out of things to say and was forced to take a breath. They told you all that stuff at school today, he asked. Yes, sir, I said. Uh Uh-huh. We walked a few yards more as Uncle Carl drew in a breath of smoke, then exhaled it. Have they ever told you kids about the Nazis? I knew about the Nazis, of course. They were some of the bad guys in World War II, along with the fascists and the Japanese. Uncle Carl fought the Japanese in the South Pacific Theater, and once in a while would talk a little about it. I thought a moment, trying to remember whether or not we'd talked about the Nazis at school, but could not recall such an occasion. No, sir. You probably don't know about Goebbels. Again, I turned my young mind, trying to remember we'd learned our colors. We were learning numbers. We recently made a pencil case from cigar boxes decorated with macaroni shells, but but no, I couldn't remember anything about Goebbels. No, sir. I said, that's okay. I won't bother you with a long explanation. Do you know what propaganda is? The very old man and painfully innocent little boy walked towards home on the dirt track. By the time we reached the front porch, Uncle Carl helped me better understand about propagandas, lying communists, and the evils of government overreach. Reassured that my much-beloved great-uncle was not, in fact, about to die and that I'd just been an innocent and unwitting victim of a growing national madness that was infecting our country and focusing its hateful attention on innocent, hard-working Americans who'd never done anything wrong and who had, in fact, gone to war to defend with their very lives the freedom of those weirdos to go into the schools and frighten little children. I breathed easier. You okay? Uncle Carl asked. I'm okay, I said. You want to talk about it anymore? He asked. No, sir, I'm okay. Are you thirsty? Yes, sir. I really was thirsty. Me too. Let's go have a glass of cold Kool-Aid. As we drank ice-cold cherry Kool-Aid fresh from Uncle Carl's ancient Kelvinator, we listened to the local news on the radio in the kitchen. Old man and little boy sat quiet, one on the north side of the kitchen, the other on the south side, both sitting upon rope-bottom chairs. Blue cigarette smoke filled the air just overhead, as it did in every room of Uncle Carl's house and most other houses in Beautiful. The bare light bulb suspended from the ceiling by a lone wire was not on. As such, the room was not brilliantly lit. A great shaft of bright sunlight shone through the west-facing window. A long rectangle of blue smoke and dust glowed between the wavy bubble glass window and the far too old to be anything like safe gas range. Still feeling better, Uncle Carl asked. I did feel better, much better. The reassurance I'd received from my elderly uncle brought calm to a storm set in motion earlier in the school day. 
I was glad of my thoughtful uncle's reassuring presence, his calm demeanor, and his steadiness of character. I do feel better, I said. Good. You want a snack? Yes, please. With that, the old man began to fix a fried bologna sandwich for each of us, and all was right again with the world. Stay tuned for part two of Smoking in Beautiful. Much love, Hank. You've been hanked. Thank you for listening to You've Been Hanked. Smoking is a serious matter, and I don't mean to suggest otherwise. My semi-light-hearted presentation of part one will change as we get into parts two and three. There will, there will be more seriousness applied to the subject, and I want you to know that. I want you to know, too, that I really appreciate you listening. If you're a subscriber, thank you. If you're a paid subscriber, bless your heart. I need more. Your material support of You've Been Hanked makes it possible to continue this work, and I hope that you find it worthy of your support and that you think that the work itself is of value. We have 150 subscribers. Next goal, 300. Please share this episode. Please share this podcast and help us reach that new milestone. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.